Hey everybody, what's going on? Jordy Cannell here. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Real Sports, presented by Thunderblogsports.com, a part of the Bullpen Cart podcast feed. Today, we are covering Rodman, for better or worse, the Dennis Rodman 30 for 30 that came out last September. This one was a lot of fun. It covers all of Dennis Rodman's life. It's really interesting. We think you guys are really going to like it. As always, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. Search the bullpen cart wherever you get your podcasts. That's iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Mash that subscribe button. Give us a nice five-star review. Follow us on Twitter. ThunderBLG is the handle there. Join the Facebook group, The Bullpen Cart, on Facebook. Search it. Join the group. Be a part of the conversation. Help us choose the next doc that we cover for real sports. But enjoy the episode, guys. Let us know what you think in the show notes or tweet at us. And here we go. Welcome to this episode of Real Sports, presented by Thunderblogsports.com, in part Bullpen Card Podcast feed. I, of course, am the G-Man, Jordy Cannell. Joining me, as always now, even though it's episode two, is my lovely fiance, third and girl herself, Emily Anderson. How are you? I'm great. Just thriving in this quarantine hobby life. We're going my way through a puzzle at the Yeah, what are you doing without Joe on beat? I don't like to talk about that part of it. Okay. Well, what are you doing in the absence of other things? I have pictures other of things. him on my Apple Watch, and so when I get sad, I just look at my watch. We have the then, bobblehead over here, too. Look there. He's ringing the bell. He's so happy. There he's taunting the crowd. It's it's good. It's good. <laughs> we do have a bobblehead now. The tall one. <laughs> yes. Uh, right next to the bottle of Pink Whitney. But what are you doing in the absence of sports? I'm doing a really large puzzle. Um, it's 2,000 pieces. Okay. And I listened, listening to a really long backload of blog of podcasts. That's good. I deleted all the ones I've listened to today. Like, I was, like, building a playlist and then, like, adding them but not deleting them. And I deleted, like, oh, like, a hundred hours of podcasts that I've listened to in this quarantine time. Wow. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. A lot of time on my hands. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty awesome, though. Yeah, nothing. Just too much different with me since I always work from home anyway. But, you know, we've started this series. We are on episode two. We mm-hmm. teased it last week. We are talking the Dennis Rodman 30 for 30. And I'm pretty excited about this one. I had not seen it. It's one of the newer 30 for 30s. It came out last fall, last September. Goes through pretty much all of Dennis Rodman's life. Um, from the his humble beginnings outside of Dallas to his time in junior college and in the NAIA, the NIA. Uh, I don't know if people call it that. But, I don't think so. Yeah, whatever. Uh, to becoming a 26-year-old rookie with the Detroit Pistons and then the stop he made in San Antonio before going to the Bulls and everything after that, including his rambunctious times in North Korea. Emily, what were your thoughts coming into the dock and and, and, and exiting the dock? Well, I had only known Rodman from, like, clips and highlights I've seen from his Bulls times. I knew he was on the Pistons. I've seen the bad boy dock. I didn't know about his stop in the Spurs, with the Spurs, so I was, like, a little shocked by that. I also didn't realize he was, like, an old-ass rookie. Yeah, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize he's actually older than Michael Jordan. He's class 1979, which is my dad's age. Yeah, which he's older than my parents. Wild to think about, yeah. Um, and did not know where the worm came from. I, I thought that was that. thought that that was just because of how he played, flying all over the place. But no, it's from pinball. Yeah, he was like the lost hobby of mine. and wiggle around, and that's how I don't think they were necessarily being nice when they called him that. No, uh, unlike Tommy, it sounds like he tilted a lot. Is that a pinball wizard joke? It is from Pinball Wizard. Good job. Thanks. Which is both, and also the movie, Tommy, ah. slash play, rock opera. Yes. And then the, which includes the Elton John cover. Anyways. The Elton John cover of Pinball Wizard is a great song. Do not downplay our boy Elton. I know. Anyway, but we are talking this new doc. I'm here to keep us on track. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> Fair quite. enough. 
Fair enough. That's a very good point. Greg and I love to sidetrack ourselves. <laughs> uh, Hansel and Gretel, we are not. We go all over the forest, and we probably never find the gingerbread house with the witch there. Um, oh, man, I'm already losing you. Let's get into the dock. Um, so, yeah, we mentioned it, that they talk about his childhood and everything with pinball and the relationship he had with his mom. His dad left when he was three, and that he had two sisters. He grew up in a house of all women and that he, because of that, his sisters would dress him up like a woman and that he would get picked on a lot. He played football, but quit, got cut from the basketball team because they do not talk about the 11 inch growth spurt that he goes through until after the high school days. So you're thinking like, I'm just like, how does this, this man guy, end up in the NBA? I don't yeah. understand. And I'm thinking like, they don't even mention his height. And you're thinking like, and, like unless this basketball team is like a, quad a state title contender like you got to find some place for a guy that tall and yeah. then, they, then they reveal oh he graduates doesn't go to college he's working at the airport he's five eight when he and graduated he's five eight and you're like oh oh that makes a lot of sense you can't be having a five eight guy trying to play whatever so you probably try to play point guard or something um and you know he was never known as a scorer so maybe he just didn't have a shot but he also bodaciously talks about how he did never practice yeah he really was braggadocious about it all. I'm using big B words right now. I know. Big, uh, maybe a certain B, triple B CEO inspired me after a podcast we'll probably reference a couple times from a few of his quotes. But um, they talk about how he goes to jail while he's working at the airport. He stole watches. Uh, he didn't even sell them. He, he didn't even sell them, them which, is, which is why he does not get any sort of serious time in jail. He spent the night there. Gets kicked out of his house a couple times. Goes to one junior college. Goes to that NAIA. It was Southeastern Oklahoma State, I think was the full name. But yeah. the logo looks like a blue version of the 49ers logo. It did, if you remember the logo. Yeah. Um, and he just becomes this prodigy through there. And honestly, like I didn't realize where he went to college or anything like that. I'd, I'd never really done too much digging into the to how Rodman became Rodman. Cause like you were, you know, obviously we're kids of the nineties and you remember, especially I do not remember anything of the first three P cause I was uh, one, two and three when they won their respect. Oh no, zero, one and two when they won their respective titles. Um, but I do remember the, the fifth and sixth and Rodman was, he was a, he was a, a character, you know, yeah. complete, it, it, almost like an alien. He's referenced in men in black as one. Mm-hmm. Um, which is one of the, you know, the first like pop culture references in movies that I, that I got. And it's because of that, and we'll talk about the bulls and some of the quotes that are thrown out there, but learning about all of this, I thought was absolutely incredible to find out this guy was this kind of reserved, normal dude who just kind of wanted to he just prove wanted something people to like him. Yeah. He just wanted people to like him. They talk about his friend, Brian, who you did not like the spelling of his name when we were watching the talk last night. Um, he was 13. He was the ball. Or actually, first went to a camp. Yeah. And Rodman just became friends with him. Uh, there was a sad story about him potentially, or not even potentially, him accidentally killing his friend, Brian does. Yeah. Rodman and Brian, they portrayed almost as these lost souls finding each other and really going that way and Rodman ends up becoming a pseudo brother to them. At one point there was some sort of adoption talk about from Rodman, but the mom doesn't want to because Dennis's mom, who at this point Rodman and, and his mom are still estranged. His mom would not like it. Um, and then, you know, he ends up getting drafted in the NBA by the Pistons who, as they very quickly go into very quickly form the bad boys and Rodman becomes this, breakout star despite they don't really talk about where his role on the team was aside from just being an insane rebounder Mm -hmm. um which in his first in his first three years he amassed a total of 41 starts and then doubled it in his fourth year to 43 starts in 1990 and then becomes a full-time starter for the for most of the remainder of his career uh, a little bit in that Spurs run, he gets some time on the bench. Probably behavior-related. Probably behavior-related. There were some suspensions that get thrown out there, too. Um, also interesting of note, he plays 82 in all 82 games in his 
in his second through fifth years in the or sixth year in the NBA. Um, plays 77 in his rookie year. The closest he gets is in 98, where he plays 80 games. Um, plays 79 his first year in San Antonio. But then a lot of issues that really get talked about um, in the in the doc where they kind of jump through the bad boys, which you you seemed like you wanted a little more out of. Well, it's just interesting because I think, and it goes to the way the documentary is produced and things like that, but I I was expecting a build-up to the, like, the bad boys championships and things like that, but it's like, and all of a sudden they're NBA champions, and I just think it goes to like the documentary is about Rodman, it's not about the bad boys. That's and Yeah, that's my takeaway from it. It's me. really like about him finding this like sense of family with them. Which oh, yeah. It really seems like once he leaves there, it's kind of when I'm like the train goes off the tracks. Well, not even just that. They really they hammer home a couple things, and the first one is Bill Daly, father figure, and they Daly? go through. John Daly, thank you. Chuck Daly. Chuck Daly. Um, John Daly. I just went through. Daly. I just went through three different sports figures, <laughs> only one of whom is a basketball figure, um, and it was the third one. So good job by me. But they they do that of talking about him and however many people that are featured within this documentary, number of teammates, beat writers, bodyguards, repeating the word father figure, and then later it's I'm not a psychiatrist or I'm a you know a whatever psychiatrist. But this one really hammered home a little more because some people were like, they kind of debated through and through, but it, it, the core was the same of that Dennis looked up to Daly. And Daly ends up re- ends up resigning. They end up getting rid of a couple people. And in that last year in Detroit, he only plays 66 games, starts in 55 of them, gets suspended, he gets hurt. And he really, like you said, the rails really went off there and – ends up getting traded to the Spurs and off the court really is where, where we have to emphasize things off the court is where issues really arose because on the court is the product that he put out there was solid even into the post bulls years, which we'll talk about in a little bit. I mean, it was solid, but it wasn't like his production was good, but his behavior on the court wasn't good. Uh, no, you're right that he's throwing people to the ground, but everybody was kind of throwing people to the ground. Well, I was then. he had like 40 technicals or something crazy. Was that the last year with the with the, the Pistons? It was the last year with the Spurs. I, think, um, I didn't write it down. Yeah. But it was like he'd been like ejected X amount of times. He had 40 technical fouls. Like it was crazy. Like he's headbutting people, headbutting refs, kicking cameramen, like. And, like, granted, the cameraman kicking was with the Bulls, so, like... Yeah, and that, that that was when the rails were really... He's just skidding into into the void at that point. Um, why doesn't basketball reference have technical fouls on here? On here? I was trying to find that stat for you. Um, but, yeah, I mean, but to be fair, per 100 possessions, he's still, with with both the, with the Pistons and the Spurs, his highest total rebounds per 100 possessions is in that last year with the Spurs. And David Robinson, who we'll talk about Michael Jordan in a second, but the fact that they got some significant Robinson and Michael Jordan time, I was shocked by. Because you would have thought, like, maybe they got a line out of him, or, like, uh, Jamie Foxx, who's the narrator, ends up, like, reading a quote that one of them said during the time, or they show a a video clip or something. But no, they actually got him there. Um, He even said, like, hey, on the court, it it was great. You know, it just was off the court, and they don't even show Greg Popovich at all, which you did some digging on that. Well, I I was watching a few, like, Rodman interviews, and most of them were funny. I was, like, I watched him on, like, the Kevin Hart, uh, like, Cold as Balls show, where they, like, sit in an ice tub, and... Uh, Rodman tells a story of he's he's still so upset you can tell about being traded not upset about being traded to the Bulls but for what the Spurs got back for him he thinks it's just a joke and I mean in all fairness it is the man was the rebounding champion for like seven straight years yeah um but he says that Greg Popovich hated him and that David Robinson once called him the devil <laughs> which I just thought was really that is funny incredible <laughs> Oh my well, God. he said David called me the devil. I assume he meant Robinson and not Stern, but like really, either one is possible. 
Yeah, David sort of didn't really mess around. I feel like he would have probably said something like that to his face. Yeah. Which I could believe that. So I think either of them could have called him the devil. Yeah. But I thought it was funny. But something else that I wanted to say quickly um, before we get into, like, Chicago and things like that is just as we're talking about, you know, Rodman going off the rails, it's important to kind of solidify that, like, how firmly on the rails he was in Detroit. Like, yeah, that's he, a really good point. He and they made had, an emphasis to show that, like, too. Like, he's just, like, playing video games, and, like, he's, he doesn't, he doesn't drink at the time. Like, yeah. they're talking about him ordering milk when they go out to dinner, but, like, the, the team was so close, and he really gave him that sense of family and sense of belonging and acceptance that he'd been looking for his whole life, that, which goes back to, like, stealing the watches and giving them away, so people liked him. Like, all he wants is, like, people to like him, and there he felt that they did like him and they liked him for him and he didn't feel the need to like do any like attention seeking things and not to say that those weren't authentic but just at the time he just felt really safe and secure and then when all that was taken away is when things really turn well you can really tell that too by all the different pistons they interview because like david robinson and michael jordan two legends of the game they Treat this like this. Hey, we're getting interviewed for a documentary. They treat it very business-like. Yeah. Michael Jordan was always that way. Obviously, showed a lot of passion. They even show Michael Jordan with with the, the Larry O'Brien trophy and the you know him weeping when he won. Um, but like Isaiah Thomas, you could really tell cared a lot more about Dennis Rodman and probably still to this day would help the guy no matter what, no questions asked. And you could really tell it there because he breaks down a little bit about how things went with for Rodman throughout his career. And it's worth noting that a lot of people, a lot of beat writers, Isaiah Thomas, a lot of Detroit people continue to be shown throughout the dock. And, you know, Robinson's in there for the San Antonio parts. Michael Jordan and Phil Jackson are there for the Chicago Bulls parts. And, I mean, they don't even talk to Phil Jackson about when he was on the Lakers. They just talk about him in that, that Bulls time. So I, I think really – they're really trying to hammer home the point of family, and I, you know, I would choose to think that if that you'd show as much of Michael Jordan as you would, it's not like they probably yeah. only got however many quotes out of it. Maybe there's a couple that just didn't fit into what narrative it was, but it's not like they just wanted to show only oh so many. And Michael Jordan gave a two-hour testimony about De- about Dennis Rodman. I think the Pistons players probably after doing the Bad Boys doc. And being like, oh, yeah, like, I'm more than happy to open up about it. There's probably stuff they wish they could have, and this is sort of a second chance. And this is their opportunity to talk about their guy and how great of those times in the late 80s and early 90s they had as teammates. And, you know, they show how close they got in 91, losing to the Bulls. They still do a decent job in 92. Um, yeah, and then that 93 season really gets completely off the rails. You mentioned the milk, which is something I thought when they talk about it, they show – how he meets his first wife and the mother of his first child and how that they met at a club in Sacramento. Like that's crazy that you're going up. Like you obviously see a lot of NBA players. You're like, Oh yeah, let's party with the, with the Pistons. They're champions. But you're going to pick the guy that's drinking milk and not the dude ordering like champagne or shots or something like there must've been some aura to him too, that, drew in some women, even though he wasn't very confident. They emphasized that a number of times. Mm-hmm. And he kind of, they show, not necessarily they fell in with the wrong crowd, but some of the, you know, obviously Carmen Electra is on a different stratosphere altogether of wrong crowd and controversy. But the way that he evolved and how in San Antonio he goes to getting the Demolition Man haircut and how he continues to change it almost every game he how dates Madonna. He dates Madonna, how he starts going to gay bars and becomes, you know, this huge advocate for the LGBT community and for the AIDS movement and really like showing that while there's this kind of strangeness to him, and they even show it when he first wins when he wins his first defensive player of the year, and how he knew how he openly cried and how at that time it was be a man and everything. But I think, I don't know, it, it's, you could tell that that, like, pure kid was still there. It just, mm-hmm. he was, he was off the rails and it's tough to, to, it's tough to put the toothpaste back in the tube, 
to use a different analogy. Yeah, and I think at a certain point, you know, you get addicted to, once you start getting all that attention, is no matter who you are, I feel at a certain point, you start to become, like, slightly addicted or crave it or whatever you want to say. So I think there was a point where they said, like, I'm not even sure that Dennis, like, wanted to be famous, but he needed to be famous. Like, it wasn't that it was bringing him that much joy, but, like, he didn't know any other way to be at that point. And so I think, yeah, like you said, like, we can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. So I think that's once it went off the rails, it just, like, went off the rails hard. Yeah. Before we go to Chicago, I did thought it was, I did think it was very interesting watching the Pistons highlights of, and it kind of just speaks to the 80s in, in the NBA, but they almost strictly showed the Bulls, the Sixers, and the Celtics. There's mm-hmm. a couple, you can see the Cavs and their old logo with the, the hands rebounding. Um, they showed, I think, one clip of the, the Washington Bullets at the time. But those three were prominently shown, and I think it speaks a lot to where the Eastern Conference was then. And then once he goes to the to the Spurs with their classic '90s logos, which I you were, I love it. I looked you them were up looking on it up. Yeah. I'm like ready to get the T-shirt. Um, yeah, they they start showing more teams. Also, quick shout out to the Alamo Dome. I forgot they played there, um, and how. Unlike where last week we watched Requiem for the Big East and they show the Carrier Dome and Syracuse playing there, and they don't even try to hide that it's this massive stadium with a basketball court in a corner. Yeah. Like the the Alamo Dome, they have curtains everywhere to try to make it seem like it's this small college-type arena, and the it's all nuts and all over the place. So just quick shout-out there. But then... Something else quick that was fun okay. when you're talking about... Pistons highlights, and this is just probably, like, me missing basketball, but they show, like, and it also goes to show, like, basketball today versus basketball then. They show all these highlights of, like, Dennis chasing after loose balls and Dennis falling into the crowd and all yeah. of this stuff, and I just kept thinking of JoJo. Well, I thought of JoJo, and I, I immediately thought of, like, no one, like, jo, Joel does it a good amount, but, like, the only other situation I can think of that is Mike Scott in the beer last year in yeah. Milwaukee. Um, you don't really see it that often. It's And it's like, it's a different style of play. People are always worried about getting hurt. Like, but it's, it's still what people, like, I think it's what people loved about Dennis Rodman. And it's what people, no matter how you change the style of basketball, like, that's what draws people to Joel Embiid, too. It's like, that hustle and that heart. And you, like, I don't know. I just thought it was interesting how, like, people loved it then. And, like, now, like, you know, the media and certain people will be like, he shouldn't be doing that. Like, yeah, don't yeah, do yeah. that. But it's like what draws people to certain athletes, I think. No, I agree with that. Um, but we can get to the yeah, goals now. Yeah, well, just to finish, <laughs> just to kind of put a, a spot of what you were talking about of him being pissed off if we got traded for. 95, he ends up. Will Purdue, <laughs> my guy. Yeah, Will Purdue, which we'll talk about in a second. But 95 with the Spurs, he plays. Only 49 games, so it's worth noting that he had a lot of trouble staying healthy and staying unsuspended, um, but he still ends up with, if he had played a whole year, you know, a big what if, I know we're, we'll have a couple what ifs, but we're going <laughs> to avoid that. that that subject. Well, there is there is one that I really have with going to uh, the post-Bulls years, but he does, per 100 processions, end up uh, aggregating, I guess would be the right word. <laughs> Of 26 rebounds and 11 points, which would be his first double-double since the Detroit days in that metric. And he, it's also worth noting, he averaged a double-double for his first four years in the NBA, which he does not get close to. He gets kind of close as last year in Detroit. Uh, but then with the, the scoring really goes off the, off the rails in terms of uh, points per game. He only gets up to seven with, with the Spurs that year. Um, never goes above five and a half with the Bulls. Um, but goes to the Bulls, gets traded for Will Purdue. Do you want to give us a little rundown on Mr. Purdue? <laughs> sure, give me one second. Okay, well, well, we'll continue on. Yeah. Basically, the Bulls have, they, they show, they show Phil Jackson, and he, he's like, hey, we need, need this defensive rebounding specialist, and we got a list of five guys, and Dennis Robbins, our fifth. Brings in MJ and Scotty. Michael Jordan, who comes back from retirement in 1995, and what is it? It's his, like, 11th game back. He scores 55 points 
in Madison Square Garden. It's something, it's something like that, like the 11th game yeah. in his 20 that he played that season. Just love Michael Jordan, um, which we'll talk about at the end. Mm-hmm. We probably should have. We shouldn't. Have, we probably should have talked about it in the open, but I think you know what we're referring to. Michael Jordan's kind of like, yeah, all right, well, who's controlling this guy? And Scottie Pippen hates Dennis Rodman. Notable absence is Scottie Pippen. Even though while I was doing some research for this, there's a lot of videos of Pippen and Rodman doing some interviews together. And Pippen's not in this, but Pippen didn't like him. They got into their they had their tiffs while he was with the Pistons, where, you know, going back to the bad boys, really just roughing each other up. They even show Rodman and Michael Jordan, you know, going basically head head to head. And almost like two Rams battering each other, um, which if, I, I really want to know. And maybe it gets covered in The Last Dance, which is what we were referring to a second ago. Michael Jordan infamously, infamously punched Steve Kerr. How how did he not punch De- Dennis Rodman? Or if he did, how has that been covered up for this long? I don't know. Maybe we'll find out. Maybe we'll find out. But, apparent, but the way they portray it in the doc is that Rodman looks up to MJ and... It's hard not to. It's not hard to not want to be like Mike. But I don't know. It just I was in such awe to see Michael Jordan there. And they do a very good job of really twisting that narrative of showing how huge of a pop culture figure Dennis Rodman was then. But those first five minutes they spent talking about the Bulls and MJ, you can kind of feel like you feel the I, I don't know if they did that purposely or if it's just me really going back to when I was first really watching sports and how cool Michael Jordan was. And this isn't even just like Space Jam, which whatever. But it was just cool to see that guy. And I don't know. What were your thoughts when they go when they start showing the Bulls stuff? Well, it's funny. When they show Michael Jordan, You, we were watching it together, and you were just like, I was wondering if they were going to get him. Like, you were just so excited to see him. Because he is, like, pretty infamously pretty private. Um, he doesn't do, like, a ton of interviews Yeah, and he, he, owns the, he owns the Hornets. Like, he's not, like... You would think he's, like, busy doing all that stuff and challenging his players to one-on-one and everything, because that's something he does, <laughs> and, and losing money to Keegan Bradley on the golf course. Um, but they got him. Yeah. Uh, something I, really interesting that I'm surprised really wasn't brought up in the documentary, but I had heard Dennis talk about in multiple interviews, including his Hall of Fame induction speech, is that in order, like, when he was talking to Phil about, like, signing with the Bulls, he was like, okay, but one thing, like, can you go apologize to Scotty? Mm-hmm. And, like, and so Rodman apologizes to Scotty, but that was, like, almost, like, their one condition to have him join the Bulls, which, considering that they talked about, you know, Scotty didn't really like Dennis and all that stuff, I'm surprised they didn't, like, throw that anecdote in. I feel like it would have, like, narratively fit. Yeah. It, the, the, some of the stuff they chose to show versus not showing was interesting because... They talk about the book being released and him dressing up in, in the wedding dress, going down Fifth Avenue. Um, but then they don't even talk about it at all, the pro wrestling career and anything like that. And, like, he was friends with Hulk Hogan. Like, could you yeah. imagine if Hulk Hogan showed up on this documentary? That would have – and maybe they just didn't want it to be, like, Dennis Robbins was this over-the-top figure and we're bringing in, hey, brother, let's talk about Dennis. <laughs> oh, what the Hulk is – or not, The Rock. Um <laughs> I watched wrestling very sparingly as a child, but he he ended up facing off Carl Malone like two months after beating him in the NBA Finals. They faced off in a tag team match in Bash on the Beach. Like, how did they not show that? I think they had to pick only like one very surreal okay. part of his life. Otherwise, it just becomes like, too ridiculous. I guess so, but he had, he had his own MTV show, and they have the MTV reporter talking about Dennis Rodman yeah. for a lot of the doc. They don't talk about, they don't show that. They don't talk about how he's the cover of a Pearl Jam album and how a song was written by him. Um, they don't talk about they really don't talk about a lot of his movie career, how he's in a Van Damme movie and won a and won a Razzie. Congrats. <laughs> uh, he and they they. And this is more understandable of the, the post-NBA stuff that he did of doing Go Naked Then Wear Fur for PETA, how he was the commissioner of the Lingerie Football League, uh, and a lot of his reality TV moments. They kind of show it a little bit with his relationship with Trump and everything with North Korea, which we'll talk about. Yeah. But I did think that was really interesting that they focused on the good times here 
because it seemed like he was still very much off the rails. And in this, you know, dying star moment, before they you know, just be, before imploding on himself and becoming a black hole, that really gets shown after the '98 run. So I thought that was really interesting, just because I get it that there's they want to show like the one aspect of he wrote a book and that he was much more in that because of that and because that place in pop culture and in the lexicon that he was able to push himself higher than Michael Jordan who would just start in a movie, which, you know, is why allegedly millennials love Michael Jordan is because of space jam, which if you watched him, you'd, you'd understand why we love him. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I just, uh, that's one part that I thought they really could, that they could have shown more of and, and re- reference it a little more because they really show, they show that he has these problems with substance abuse and everything. And he gets a DUI when he's in Dallas after the bulls, um, but yeah, I, I just thought that, that that's, it's, that that could have been a really interesting, another wrinkle, if you will. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, so yeah, they show the bulls. Um, it is, speaking of the bulls, it's like, I don't, you know, you think of all of Jordan's rings, but I don't know that many people, when they think of Rodman, they think of five-time NBA champion. Yeah. That's impressive. He won a title before Michael Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's a lot of NBA titles. Like, he, I mean, he's in the Hall of Fame. We know all these things. But I really do think that he's known and remembered more for these antics off the court when, like, his accomplishments on the court are, like, enough to, like, speak to an illustrious career. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's that's kind of the, the sad thing about it is that he... You know, he appears on Celebrity Rehab and all this stuff, and that's why post-Bulls, he has a stint with the Lakers, which that's my one what-if is, what if that had worked out, him playing with Kobe and Shaq and the run they went on of imagining where we're putting those teams there. Um, so that was my one-if. But <laughs> he then gets a, he gets a DUI, DUI, and that derails his career with the, with the Mavericks and they have Mark Cuban on for a hot second. And he's like, it was a disaster. <laughs> yeah. He's like, he was a complete disaster. And, and at the time we weren't anything in the NBA and yeah. we didn't want to be this laughing stock of this is where you go when you want to, you know, reshape yourself and, and come in for a couple of years and, and go. And he decides to retire. And then the two thousands, we mentioned a little bit of it that he had, he was on reality TV. He, had he had a couple guest spots and television shows, um, and yeah, he he tried to make a comeback in the NBA and then gets into a motorcycle accident, which he doesn't break any bones. They show some of the cuts, which is. But I think he was drunk. Yeah, that's what, that's what I was gonna say is that he was he was drunk he was definitely drunk or maybe high on something, which is probably why he didn't really get that banged up aside from the the deep cuts that he had. They don't ever really talk about anything other than alcohol. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to put something in there that wasn't true. That's a very good point. Um, yeah, but that's that's probably what it was. And yeah, they. What I thought was really interesting is that they spend, I thought, a, a fairly proportionate amount of time in the adolescence, college, Pistons, the little part with the Spurs, decent amount with the Bulls. They quickly go through the the two years post Chicago, mm-hmm. which is understandable because he only played uh, a grand total of 35 games yeah. out of a possible 152 or 132 because 99 was a, was a shortened mm-hmm. year, um, which, which is, uh, I forgot it was 50 games. I thought it was also like a 40, 40 game season, like the first LeBron title year. Um, but Still, the the fact that that it was such a blip on there, and kind of the, that was kind of how it felt with the Bulls. And Jordan retired, and you know the team splits up, and, and Rodman just disappeared. And I, frankly, I didn't even know that he that he played. I didn't even know he played with the Lakers, frankly. But I didn't know he played with with the Mavericks and, and all this stuff. He was thirty eight too, so it was probably time anyway. Yeah. But he still, I mean, he was still averaging fourteen rebounds there in those twelve games. He just couldn't, you know, figure it out. Yeah, I mean, 98, how old is he? 36. 36. He's a rebounding champion. Yeah. Like, he's still, 
And there's some, like, stories of, I know that you mentioned earlier that he was talking about how he doesn't practice, but I also do think that he really does respect the game of basketball. Oh, and yeah. he has, like, a competitive streak in him. There's a story that he tells on Bill Simmons's podcast, or Kevin Garnett tells about him on yeah. Bill Simmons's podcast, about how uh, when KG was p- playing for the T-Wolves, they had, like, beat the beat the Bulls in an overtime game and like Garnett is like in the weight room like trying to just like bring himself down um like from the adrenaline and Rodman comes in in freaking combat boots and like gets on this on the treadmill and puts it at a 12 incline and is like sprinting on it and that's a really good point that we skipped over that they yeah. talked about Michael Jordan said that, that there was no one who could down booze and still get up the next day like yeah. Dennis Rodman and yeah, and, like, Garnett is, like, I gotta, like, ask him, like, what is he doing? And he's, like, oh, yeah, like, if you're playing a back-to-back, like, you gotta get a lift or something in between the games, like, to keep your body going. He's, like, we're going to Brooklyn, and Jason Williams said that he can out-rebound me, so I gotta make sure that I out-rebound New him. Jersey? What did I say? Brooklyn? Brooklyn? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, the Nets. Yeah, okay. But, like, just, like, that competitive streak and that he did have such a... As much as, you know, he boozed and then played or whatever, like, I think that he did always want to do his best for his team. Yeah. I think it's also worth noting, too, like, this is in the 90s where, like, it's pre-Tiger Woods, and that's more in golf, but, like, Tiger Woods also did a lot with lifting just in general because he took it so seriously. Like, it's more of a hockey, baseball, football of, like, how often players partied. It's not talked about as much in, in... basketball but like there are the like there's the story jeremy ronick told about like michael jordan played 36 holes of golf and drank 40 beers and still had like had like a 25 and 12 night or something yeah so i feel like not like not to say like oh michael jordan would have been a 40 averaging 40 points a game if he wasn't boozing but i think like that just was kind of the crowd back then yeah and it was just different i mean and obviously like we know not as much like Heavy lifting and, and we everything. We just know so much more now about, like, body performance. Yeah, that's a good point. Like that. Like, yeah. They didn't have the science back then to yeah. do the stuff they do now. That being said, Dennis Rodman was jacked. Yeah. Big boy, both in terms of muscles and obviously 6'8". Um, but, yeah, they so they – anything else on the Bulls we've missed before we move on? I don't – Because we kind of touched quickly on the post-Bulls stuff and jumped a little – Jump the gun a little bit into the post-basketball. Yeah, the only other thing I would say is that I think that Dennis worked on the Bulls like he did because he really, as much as he liked the attention and things like that, like he really, like, respected the team as Michael's team. Yeah, yeah, they show that, and, and he, he was, even like, talks. fine to play second or third banana on that team as long as they won. Yeah, and he even talks about that of, like, he kind of got it, but, like... I got to figure this thing out and that he got to work and everything. And Michael Jordan was the one who was really saying like, really respected it as my team. And like we said, Michael Jordan punched another teammate. Who's now one of the highest, highest regarded coaches in the NBA, a guy who's pretty level headed, except when he gets a, you know, some random technical fouls. We've seen a couple times with the Warriors, but you know, I think he, I think he did take it pretty seriously, yeah. which is what's so tough about, he goes to the Lakers, who, you know, you know who also went to the Lakers in ninety in nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, Phil Jackson. <laughs> like he had the same coach there, a guy yeah. who was controlling him. And he really, he was one of the guys in his Hall of Fame speech that he, you know, he thanked four men or three men, something I don't remember. And Phil Jackson was one of them. These guys that he saw as father figures, you know, people oh. who he really looked up to. Actually, scratch that. Um, the Phil Jackson did not go to the Lakers in 98-99. He came in a little bit after that. I think he mm. took a year off, it appears. Um, yeah, he, he took the 98-99 season off. Came yeah. to the Lakers in 99-2000. The timelines would make off. it seem... Yeah, a little off. Would make it seem like it was same season, but apologies. Anyway, but still, like, if he... You know, Phil comes in, maybe, maybe he's just sick of his shit after three years in Chicago... And they won the they won the titles. He didn't want to put him in there. Yeah. You know whatever. Um, but yeah, they, they, you know, so we jumped jumped a little bit into the post basketball career. A lot of TV, a lot of boozing. Um, they show that he has his his two other kids, his first son, his other daughter, DJ and Trinity. Mm-hmm. Trinity has because it's his third kid, right? 
don't know. It's a popular name. Okay. All right. And again, I guess the Matrix was out then, and, and the shitty sequels. But um, yeah, we talked quickly about Con- Carmen Electra. That was during the ninety eight ninety nine season. Um, so maybe that has part to do with his his run ins with the Lakers. Um, and he has a, he, DJ was born in two thousand, Trinity in two thousand one. Finally marries their mother in 2003, and they're only married for a year. Um, and they show a lot. This is, and they really start to dive in. They talk a lot about Alexis. She's featured in the earlier years when he was in Detroit, uh, and then comes back here and how wasn't really around for his kids and everything. And he breaks down a little bit in the doc. And they show Michelle Moyer, DJ and Trinity's mom. And she's really featured a lot and kind of how everything went with that. And they start showing highlights of, of DJ and Trinity's sports careers, which DJ, DJ at the time was about to start his career at Washington State. He's a freshman. And Trinity is going to be an incoming freshman this year to play on their soccer team. And you said she's like a legit soccer player. Yeah, right? she's on like U20, like US women's soccer team. That's like, unreal. Uh, yeah. But it's just like. This part is where, like, this is why I've said, like, we can't do that many what-ifs because, like, it gets so dark and, like, so sad because, like you said, like, his oldest daughter, Alexis, talks about how he wasn't around for her. And you think that at some point there's going to be, like, a redemption arc where it's, like, but now he, like, if we'll get into it, but there was, like, a lot of... Well, with the whole North Korea thing, there's a lot of, like, public drunkenness, and he goes to rehab, and you think that, like, even though that was very recent, that in the doc you're going to get, like, a little bit of, but I'm, like, sober, and I'm spending time with my kids, and, like, it never comes, you know? Yeah. Like, he's he says it a couple times, too, like, I wish I was a better father and And it's like, this. but you're not trying. Yeah. And I don't know that he knows how to try, because he, I mean, he had these, like, father figures and coaches, but not, like his father, his father, like, makes an appearance in the documentary, and they basically talk about how he tried to, like, use him, which yeah. is awful. Terrible stuff. His dad his was in the Air Philander, Force. Which Philander. Is, like, Philander is, like, a man that sleeps with a lot of women. Like, yeah. that's the worst name ever. And they show he was in the Air Force, and that's why why he left, because he was in the service, and then ends up in the Philippines. With, like, 47 kids. And they, yeah, he, yeah, he has a ton of kids, and they show, I would think of some news report of him in a Dennis Rodman Bulls jersey, so not even in, like, Pistons gear, where he wins his first two titles and becomes his name brand, um, and him watching a game on some shitty TV, making it seem like he's really down. Like, whatever, whoever was behind that, too, is, like, it's like the fucking news reporter and diehard, some fucking scumbag trying to take advantage of someone's family and yeah. craft a narrative. Um, and they show him in the in the stands, and the, he's, like, trying to get autographs. Or give autographs. autographs. He, like, wrote a book about... Do you really? You wrote a book? Yeah, I think I read that. Like, it's just, like, gross. So, like, it's not like he has great role models, but I just, like, really want that redemption arc for him, for his kids. Like, and I know, like, I was, like, on his Instagram, and, like, he posted, like, a picture of Trinity soccer thing, like, saying, like, like, when the U.S., the U-20 team qualified for, like, the U-20 World Cup, like congratulations to my daughter. Like, you know that he, like, wants to do it, but I just don't know that he knows how, and it's sad. Yeah. Hopefully it goes well, and they show kind of a happy note towards the end of Alexis has a son, and it's Dennis's grandson, and that this might be the way that... There's a picture with him holding it. Yeah, there's a picture of him holding the baby, and that this might be the way that he can be this father figure to his grandson and reconnect that way. And yeah, I mean, hopefully it goes well there. And um, yeah, then, they, then they jump into the, the news we've known Dennis Rodman for in the last decade of North Korea. It's BFF. It's BFF. Are we even allowed to say like, what's the state's name? Like, are we going to get flagged by like the FBI? Um, that's a good question. I, <laughs> I feel like we shouldn't. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so he goes to North Korea. Yeah. And loves uh, the president. The supreme leader. Is that his official title, or is that just what he calls himself? I think it's... I thought it was, like, a president, but it was a... I don't know. I don't, we should... Uh, if You're now spooking me. Um, <laughs> but he was drunk in North Korea. Yelling at reporters. His agent thought it was South Korea. He thought South Korea was the bad one. Uh, was the... The... Not... 
democracy. Okay. Was the non democracy the one that doesn't have a supreme leader? Was was <laughs> you can say okay? Was is the is you know the, the bad one? Um, yeah, North. He thought North Korea was the good one. Was yeah. the one that we're allies to. Um, and how you fuck that up is all yeah, time. Yeah, that's bad. And like, they showed him on the dock too. The fact that he's just like, isn't this funny? And I was like, oh, you must have fired that agent. Like that. And agent he's still there. What the fuck? Like, don't you have to be, like, a lawyer to be an agent? No. You don't have to be, but, like, a lot of them are, so they can understand contracts. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, anyway, he and he ends up getting hammered, and they show some of him, like, screaming at a journalist, like you were saying. Uh, he brings over, like, a crew of... Were they former NBA players? or was, like, dudes? I think it was former play, NBA players. Yeah, to play a basketball game. Because apparently it all started because... Um, this Kim Jong Un loves the Bulls. Went for it. I did. I didn't yeah. want to call him the supreme leader. Um, loves the Bulls, and they originally approached Michael Jordan about going over, and Jordan was like, "No, I want no part of this." Well, it's also worth noting, like, you know, good for Jordan. But it's also worth noting he owned the at the time Bobcats, and like probably. You didn't want to ditch his team, and like that would have been Daryl Morey on steroids. What just happened with China this well, past I think, fall? I think Jordan made the correct. No, he definitely. I'm not saying oh Michael Jordan should have gone to North Korea, <laughs> but like again, think about what just happened this past fall with Daryl Morey yeah. and all the stuff with China. If an owner of an NBA franchise or a baseball team, a hockey team, a football team, a soccer team. Like, if Manchester United goes over there, it's just as big of a deal of, like, this whole, of global politics and everything. And they, the MTV guy talks about how Trump ending up having a summit with Kim Jong-un doesn't happen with Dennis Rodman in one of the more surreal statements of the, of the 2010s. Yeah. But, like... And, like, I'm giggling through this whole part, but it is, it's so ridiculous. Also, I didn't realize the first time he went to North Korea was in 2012, um, which there was a commercial, an Adidas commercial, that was, I think it was right after Kyrie Irving signed his deal with Adidas, that he imagines the perfect world. And Dennis Rodman, like, he either was super hammered at this point and just didn't get that they were making fun of him going to North Korea. But one of them is, like, one of them is Michael, Mike Tyson going up to Evander Holyfield with, like, the part of his ear he bit off, being like, I'm sorry, Evander. And, like, the other one is Dennis Rodman saying, oh, I'm going to buy a one-way ticket to North Korea. Like, one-way, guys, did you hear? One-way, he's not coming back. Like, that's a commercial Dennis Rodman did. And, like, maybe he should, like, Dennis Rodman seemed like he was a pretty good sport and he just wanted to, like, have the attention, especially at this point that you're, like you said, you're addicted to it. But, like, that was, like, the butt of the, like, and maybe, like, I thought, like, I'd heard, you know, heard about it, and I was in college at the time, so Dennis Rodman going to North Korea is not the first thing I'm thinking about when I'm trying to graduate, but I don't know, it's just, uh, it's wild stuff. And it is, it's so wild, I, I was watching, you know, I was watching the Kevin Hart video with him, Kevin Hart was talking to him about it, and he was like, so what, do you guys, like, does he, like, call you on the phone? And Rodman was like, no, all my phones are tapped. And I was like... <laughs> Is he joking? Yeah. But he's probably not. And, like, they probably are. Yeah, uh, probably. Like, but he just, he really sees it as he's doing good for America. And, like, maybe he is because the the Trump summit wouldn't have happened without him. No, that's it's a very good point. So it's, it's like a real wild full circle moment. So <laughs> a couple things. I just saw a number of names that were on the U.S. exhibition okay. team he brought over. Kenny Anderson, Vin Baker, Craig Hodges, Doug Christie, Eric Sleepy Floyd, <laughs> Charles D. Smith, four, four street ballers, and one former Survivor Kagayan contestant, Cliff Robinson. Oh, I did know Cliff Robinson went. Which I, did, I did not know that. I did know that. Um, and then going over to the Trump Summit, um... That he, when Trump, uh, at one point he goes over in 2017, he did not meet with 
Kim Jong-un, but he met with Olympic athletes. He viewed their practice. Uh, he visited an orphanage, which, you know, they show, like, in the Pistons days that he was, like, big with philanthropy to kids. So he, I would hope he still kept that mm-hmm. up and he didn't just become this booze hound that, like, forgot about the kids, a la, like, those tragic sports movie stories that, like, you know, that's how you know he went off the deep end is that he doesn't like the kids anymore. Um, but anyway, he meets with the Minister of Sports, which... If we, if instead of being secretary of, I feel like we'd have a ministry of sports if we, <laughs> if we had ministers instead of secretaries in the, in the presidential cabinet. Um, but he gave Kim Jong-un a, a series of gifts, which included two signed basketball jerseys, two soap sets, and a copy of Donald Trump's Art of the Deal. Um, it's also believed that he gave Kim Jong-un's daughter a, a Where's Waldo book. Interesting. Where's Waldo? Helps out with getting Trump over to uh to North Korea. Yeah. Um, but Wild. so not to harp on this too much, but he ends up having kind of this breakdown afterwards, and he still goes over a few times. Um, obviously the documentary gets made and comes out in 2019, and yeah, I mean they leave it on this kind of optimistic note with his kid with his grandkids and that is his and his mom and his mom. Yes. That's a very good point. His mom's shown throughout and it seems like they've kind of patched things up and it looks like he, it looks like he probably helped, you know, take care of her a little bit. Cause it looks like she's in a pretty big house. So you have to think he probably at some point, whether it was the first time they patched things up and then things fell apart or that he, or post basketball that he helped figure it out. Um, but he, they ended on a on a bright note, but it's it's still a tough road for Rodman going forward. Yeah, it's still like a somber note where it's like yeah, that's a good point. You a good, really a have all the tools, like you can do it, mm-hmm. but just you got to do it. Like even the stuff with his mom, like he's saying, like she doesn't have much time left. Like I should probably see her more. Like then just do it. Yeah, you know, and you kind of just like want to shake him and be like, you can like. I don't you I don't think anyone could watch the documentary and come out of it thinking that like Rodman's this awful guy. No, not at all. You know? Um and I watched a clip from High Noon, the now former great show that was aired at like four o'clock. It's not even noon Pacific time. Um but it's Bomani Jones and Pablo Torre if you never watched it. Um but he ends up uh Bomani and Pablo, but Bomani talks the most of the clip of talking about like how they, they experienced it and, and how the, and this is not included in the documentary. It's on YouTube. Um, so that's where I ended up watching it post in preparation for this podcast, but how it basically that of that. I would just want to say, figure it out. And that it, all this different stuff overshadowed this incredible career, really incredible career. And Pablo Torre even points out, which I didn't realize of him getting into the hall of fame. He is the, he has scored the least amount of points of any NBA Hall of Famer. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, they basically say the same things you just said of like, hey, like, you know, he had all these issues, but it seems like he wants to figure it out and doesn't. And you just want to say, figure it out to him. And it's just this weird, I don't know if it's a cautionary tale or what the right way to describe it is. It's a very fascinating story. Yeah. Uh, definitely recommend going to check it out. And yeah, I mean, kind of right after we, we watched last night, I came up here and did a little research before going to bed and, and found out he got it. He got a misdemeanor for assault for slapping a guy in Florida in October, uh, less than a month after doing this whole car wash through SPN and the doc coming out. And yeah, I mean, I, I just hope he figures it out and, and, you know, we don't lose Rodman at any point soon. Yeah, and, like, he really is, like, through the doc, you feel that what he's searching for is, like, acceptance and, like, unconditional love. But he has these, like, I mean, if anyone is going to unconditionally love you, it's your parents yeah. or your kids. So it's, and like. And it's like in yourself. I mean, it really shows, like, he did not, that at times he was just uncomfortable with himself and didn't want to love himself. Yeah, and so it's, like, these are the people that, like, you don't have to pay to hang out with you that, like, want to be around you. So, like, go to them. Like, don't look for this, like, acceptance in these other places. And it's, it's 
frustrating. Yeah, that's a really good point. That his they show his uh, bodyguards throughout it, and one of them's like, "Buddy, these aren't your friends. If you're paying them, like, and I don't know how to, I don't know how to better tell you to not pay these these people, but don't pay." Them. Yeah, and he's like, "I know. Like, you don't think I know that they're not my real friends?" Yeah. And it's like, oh. "Buddy, it's just tough." Yeah. Um, yeah. Anything else that you found in terms of news? Well, not about Rodman, but I did want to talk about one thing for the documentary. Okay. What did you think? Throughout the documentary, they do these, like, very odd, like, interludes, I Mm -hmm. guess you could call them. One is, like, when he has his growth spurt, and it's, like, for pretend, like, human grow serum. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's an astronaut at one point, and then... There was a man on a couch that goes to the mountains. Oh yeah. And I just didn't know if you what you thought of those. If you, they they went with the story, but I don't know if it and, was and just, the intro. Yeah, too. I thought the intro was cool. And the intro it is like a young boy, and it's always the back of him, and he kind of is like traveling through the past that Rodman has traveled in this life. Um, but the other ones don't necessarily include him, and I don't know if they were just there as like absurdist because Rodman himself is kind of absurd or if they I didn't really know so I was curious no the I forgot about the human grow and and where they they so the human grow one is basically this like 70s type commercial like an infomercial like an infomercial and it's basically supposed to be this like powder that you put on your hair and you grow (laughs) and it's basically just to to show like Dennis Rodman grew and Granted, we watched this on ESPN Plus. We didn't watch this even recorded, mm-hmm. so we don't know. Like maybe that's how they came back from commercial, oh, or went yeah. out to commercial. Um, but the 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 other one, when they start interviewing Jordan, they the one you're referring to of the guy, they zoom out on a television and a guy watching it in a Pistons jersey, and Jamie Foxx, the narrator, start, starts talking to this guy, being like, "Yeah, you, you with the Pistons jersey." Like close your eyes and imagine this. This is where he was. I think that's also where they do the the, the astronaut. No, astronaut's a different. Part. That's a different part. The astronaut I took was just like it's trying to really emphasize that like Dennis Robin was out of this world. Yeah. Um, but the other two are just a little like maybe it is supposed to be this abstract thing because Dennis Robin was a little out there. Um, yeah, I. I Kind of forgot about it. So if you've not checked this out and are going to watch this, let us know what you thought about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was very strange. And I I guess because the story kept moving, especially yeah. the human growth. Just like we got into the good stuff of his NBA career. But yeah, that's some wild stuff. Now, we talked about this last, or we talked about this off air last week. Do we want to try to to rank the narrators? Because last week, you didn't even mention that it was Giancarlo Esposito. I didn't know that that's who was. Oh, you didn't know that? Yeah, in Requiem for the Big East, Giancarlo Esposito was the narrator. I think it would be fun. Okay. So, if you're not listening to last week's, we did not talk about this, so you're not missing anything. But go listen to it and let us know what you think. Because we did this a little different. We, last week, we kind of summarized the the documentary and then did, oh, this is what they missed. And this week, this week we tried to go along with the doc and other info. So let us know what you think of the two differences. Last week was Giancarlo Esposito, who maybe just because your only experience with him or really serious ex- experience with him is his Gus Fring, mm-hmm. um, so you didn't recognize his non-accented voice. Um, and then this week it's Jamie Fox. I like Esposito. Oh, I like Jamie Fox. You like Jamie Fox better? Yeah. I wa- defend your boy. I don't know. I just thought that. Well, one, I think there's more narration in this one than there is in. Requiem for the Big East. Okay. Um, so I just was exposed to him more. I think he, like, did more with his voice work, and I feel like there That's was... That's a good point. Like, a sing... Almost, like, a sing-songy quality, which, like, makes sense for Jamie Foxx, but he's, like... His, like, intonation and his, like, flow of speaking, I find very, like, soothing and, like, kind of fun. He was more narrative. He was more of an interactive narrator. Yeah. Um, interactive is a good word. It's whereas, like he were talking to you versus, like, he was, like, narrating a PowerPoint in school. That's a really good point. Um... Because there is a lot of narration of explaining, like, piecing the, the parts together in, in what Esposito does mm-hmm. in Requiem for the Big East and kind of explaining things. That being said, I was, we were both critical of that they yada yada through the second two-thirds of the Big East of how they really focus on that first decade of success. And That's then, not on the narrator. Yeah, and it's not on the narrator, but um, 
he was, you know, he is reading the words. Um, yeah, but I do think, I, maybe it's just because I, I enjoyed Requiem for the Big East more than I enjoyed mm. this one. Not that this isn't good. Uh, I just find the downfall of the Big East to be so incredible. And maybe as we build towards the last dance, this will just be another piece of the puzzle into that, into that pyramid or that whatever we want to refer to it as. Um, that's a really good point though. So I'll concede to you. And then our big board rankings, we now have Jamie Foxx one, Giancarlo Esposito two. You made a much more compelling argument than I could have for Esposito, which is why I'm conceding. It is interesting, too. So, Jamie Foxx is an executive producer for this documentary. And I looked it up to see, like, if I could find any connection to Rodman or, like, anything that would have, like, you know, compelled him to make this. Like, want to, like, really put his name on this. I couldn't find anything, which is kind of disappointing. But maybe I just couldn't find it. And if there's, it's possible. There's always there weird. There's always, like, weird connections with, uh, with sports and how they pick things like the Blackhawk school song to keep it in Chicago mm-hmm. by a band called the Fratellis. And we try to look at, uh, try to look up why they're like, how they're there. They have band based in Chicago, why they call the, you know, thinking Fratelli Italian Chicago. turns out they're like a British band who really loved the Goonies and they, Chelsea Dagger was just picked as their, as the goal horn for the Blackhawks just cause it's a good song. Mm-hmm. So there's all random connections with that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, Anything else before we kind of tease what else is going to be going on? I have a fun fact. Okay, fun fact. This is my favorite part. I've always loved fun facts. Yes. This one's not as fun as my other one. But, so, in Dennis Rodman's Hall of Fame speech, he thanks Penny Marshall. Oh, yeah, you're, you were who starting is, to tell me this. He was the director. I'm pretty sure she directed, like, uh, A League of Their Own, I yep. think. Um, she was also on Laverne, Laverne and Shirley. Shirley. Yep. Sister of Gary Marshall, who directed, I think, like, Pretty Woman, like, big family yeah. uh like hollywood family shamil shamazel something 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 yeah I my mom would be so mad that i don't remember that i used to watch on Nick at night with her uh. but anyways he thanked her in her hall of his hall of fame speech i was like that is so random she was there at his induction i was like this is so random i googled it it turns out that penny marshall was is was working on a rodman doc that he told her that he doesn't want anyone else to tell his story or trust anyone with his story which is interesting considering he was a part of this documentary as well. But it was... Re- so, unfortunately, she died in December of 2018. But it was reported that she was working up on the Rodman doc, like, hours before she passed. Like, it was very much a thing in the works. And I thought maybe it was, like, melded into this one or something. But no, it's a completely separate documentary. And it's slated to be released on September 1st of this year. So, if you want more Rodman... We should get more later this year. Well, and we'll get it through the last dance. Now, quickly on the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Do you know who else was in his Hall of Fame class? I don't. So you'll, I'll just go with one. Chris Mullen. Oh. Bringing the two weeks together. Look at that. St. John's. <laughs> uh, but we mentioned it. We mentioned it a few times. The last dance, the big news of the week. So excited. Has been officially pushed up. To April 19th, will be released in five straight weeks. Our tentative plan is to cover it the next night, so Monday night, do a podcast. Maybe do another real sports later that week. Now, the NFL draft is the week of the first two episodes. So I know Matt and I will probably have something out there, too. So the full schedule for what we're doing as podcast will come out with that. But we're going to try to cover it the next night, Monday night. Maybe Tuesday night if we have something going on. Uh, at least for the first week, though, the first couple weeks, we'll still be in quarantine, so yeah. we won't have anything else going on. Um, but very excited for it. Yeah. We, we kind of started this almost as, like, a build-up to it coming yeah. out this summer. We're like, we're going to, like, do this. We'll get our, like, sea legs under us. And now it's like, well, we're getting pushed off the plank. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're being thrown to the, thrown to the walls. <laughs> but I'm ready. Now, having said that, We've done two basketball docs. We aren't just going to continue to do basketball. Right. We should. I think we should do baseball, maybe football next. That being said, I do not think that Jordan Rides the Bus should be episode three or four of this. We'll probably have to cover it somewhere in the next couple weeks because it's right before then. Maybe in an in interlude between Last Dance weeks, we cover it there. Uh, kind of. Maybe we see what the first two episodes are and use that as a supplement. 
we'll figure that out. Mm-hmm. We're still deciding what we want to do for next the next episode, whether it's next week or later this week. We'll figure that out. Probably kind of depends on what we end up finding to do in quarantine times. Um, got a big puzzle. So. You got a big puzzle. We're going to go watch some TV shows to catch up on. Uh, we did start Dispatches from Elsewhere, which featured our old apartment. Yeah, we were so excited. Even though they tried to portray it in being in Fishtown, which it is not. Um, so if you're from Philly and you miss Philly, it's really fun. You see a lot of the city. There's in a it. lot of the city around, which is very cool to see. Um, yeah, so I definitely recommend that. We're going to watch Shit's Creek too. Mm-hmm. Very excited for it. Challenge starts this week. Challenge starts this week. The Merge of Survivor, Top Chef Week 3. It's going to be fun. Yeah, we got a good TV week. Got a good TV week. Uh, Em, anything else before we wrap this thing up? No, I'm good. All right. Well, thank you as always for this. This was awesome. I'm glad that we're doing this. And now things are really uh, ramping up a lot faster than we thought. This is going to be a fun ride. Let us know what you think. Either tweet at us at third and girl underscores on both sides of the end for Emily. Jordo9 for me. ThunderBLG for the Thunderblog. Join the Facebook group, search the Bullpen Card Podcast, and join it. There's no prerequisites. There's no questions you have to answer or anything like that. Be a part of the conversation. We may even put the third episode up to a poll in the group. So if you want to help us decide what we're going to do next, join the group and vote. Um, subscribe to the podcast, search the Bullpen Card on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Smash that subscribe button. Leave a nice review. We'll give you a shout-out, all that good stuff. Maybe, Emily, you can help us figure out what we're going to do to give people shout-outs because we keep saying that, and we don't do anything special. We just say, oh, thanks, so-and-so, for the nice review. So maybe you can help us out with that. But Okay. All right. That'll do it. Everybody, thank you for listening. Really appreciate the support. And for Emily, I am the G-Man. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. And go birds. <laughs>